How's everyone doing? Awesome. All right, so uh, we're going to dig into uh, realizing the promise of hybrid cloud. Um, and we had a bunch of big announcements just recently. My name, I guess, first off, before we kick this whole thing off, is Chad Kenny. I uh, head up products and solutions. And this is Cody. And my name is Cody Hosterman. I am not Sandeep. Um, <laughs> I am a technical director of Pure Storage for all of our virtualization and VMware solutions. I was pondering changing this session last minute to just talking about queuing theory, because I think there could be some <laughs> lessons learned there. But uh, we made it on time. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so quick agenda, just to give you an overview of what we're going to plan to talk about today. We'll talk a little bit about our overall cloud strategy, our thoughts around being able to enable a fully hybrid cloud environment for hybrid applications. We'll talk about how we're unifying the cloud first and foremost by looking at what we do on-premises, and then move into a world of how we leverage this across an on-premises private cloud with Amazon AWS. And um, the first part we look at here, if you just look at the enterprise cloud strategy that we've seen in most of our customer environments, they started off very much on-prem. They decided, I need to leverage some of the great services of, of AWS in the public cloud. Uh, and they moved on to what we believe to be a hybrid world. And we're starting to see this already. If you look at it, even Amazon now uh, incorporates uh, RDS directly in uh, to their platform. And so you're starting to see the, the full hybrid cloud nature of both an on-premises and public cloud build out. We think though longer term this evolves dramatically into something that's more like hybrid applications, less just hybrid cloud services of which you leverage them separately. If you look at what we do internally, we have a, a very, very large Internet of Things farm. It's all of our arrays sitting out in customers' environments, and they send back telemetry data into a real data pipeline. It goes through Kafka, Spark, and various other services, uh, as well as even platform-as-a-service offerings within AWS. As things evolved, we started to add in our SaaS-based data from Salesforce to incorporate the user inventory so that when we created a single pane of glass platform for a user to log in, they could see all of their assets in one single pane of glass. We later decided that we wanted to run more machine learning algorithms to be able to predict issues before they occurred in the field. And by doing so, we needed to be able to leverage faster overall performance on-prem, uh, and so we built an overall hybrid application now by putting it into a hosted environment on-prem with our FlashBlade technology, which is a scale-out object and file solution, and connect that up via Direct Connect to AWS. And so we leverage all of the facilities that we really believe that environments will slowly evolve to, leveraging all of these services. But the big challenge we found when we built this solution, and we see this a lot with customers, is you get a lot of ORs. You're either on-prem or you use SaaS or you use kind of infrastructure as a service type offerings or even edge-based solutions. We think that the strategy is more around and. You need to be able to leverage all of these solutions together. We see from uh, research, uh, 451 research, as looking at the you know, customer responses around this, people are looking to uh, leverage hybrid IT. 58% of the respondents here said that they wanted to leverage some sort of hybrid nature within their application stack. A lot of people wanted to be able to use more public cloud innovations versus utilizing the existing stuff only on-prem. But the day of the cloud divide that exists today makes it very difficult for you to merge these two worlds together. The on-prem and hosted environment is all about packaged apps, very siloed infrastructure, whereas the public cloud is very much about scale-out services and platform-as-a-service offerings that you can leverage as part of your stack. We also see very, very different consumption models behind this. 
Most of it's CapEx oriented, and you buy a single array that's kind of depreciated over time, and it's very, very manual typically on-prem, whereas in the public cloud, it's API everything. It's super simple to deploy, and it's consume and pay for what you consume as you continue to grow. On the on-prem side, you look at leveraging dedicated storage arrays with great resiliency factors, with rich software features that sit on top. And in the public cloud, it's a much more simple, scalable storage model. And so we think that the data tier is actually the model that breaks this world apart more than anything else. And if you were to have common data services with seamless orchestration across the stack, giving you bi-directional application mobility between on-premises and the public cloud with AWS, you would see a more hybrid way of deploying infrastructure. And the reason why data is important to be the bridge between the two is it enables more, much more application compatibility. You can leverage the exact same APIs, and developers can now leverage those APIs across both the on-premises and the cloud world. It enables you much more agility to move data from any of these worlds and be able to process where you need it to be processed versus it being kind of stuck in a silo in one of the sides of the house. It also enables much better innovation because now you don't have to learn two different sets of tools. This bridge enables a lot of great ways for developers to be able to develop faster without having to be able to, you know, have to learn different worlds out there. We also believe that a very data-centric architecture is vastly important for this type of world. It needs to be fast, shared, and be able to have it be highly secure, on-demand, and globally available for you. And also hybrid by design. You should be able to leverage these technologies in multiple different areas, and as they evolve from a technology stack, be able to actually evolve with it without having to repurchase the same thing over and over again. So if you look at the way that we unify cloud, we really break it down into three main core tenets. The first one is build your cloud. This is all about building a private cloud on-premises to be able to leverage all of the great you know, flexibility of automation, orchestration, and simplicity within the environment. Run anywhere is the second tenet, which is all about bridging the gap between those two worlds. The last part is protecting data everywhere, which will look at backup just as a whole and fix the fundamental issue of not being able to restore data fast enough for most of the SLAs within the enterprise. Cody, why don't you go ahead and kick off the build your cloud section? Thanks, Chad. I'll take that thing. <clears throat> yeah, so I, um, I don't know, about six or seven years ago, I wrote a white paper implementation guide thing about um, building a hybrid cloud, right? Um, and frankly, it was nonsense. Um, it, it, the, the technologies, the foundational technologies from a storage perspective, from the connectivity up the stack, it just it wasn't there yet. Right? And I, I think we finally got to a point here where this technology exists in the, in the foundational core pieces of the storage arrays of the, you know, the public cloud section, the connectivity between them there is actually finally there. Right? And so what, what we've done is taken the storage and features and resiliency and, and so forth that you have on-premises right? um, and allowed you to use those same technologies that you use on-premises to manage it also in the public cloud. Right, AWS, right? So whether you're using Kubernetes, whether you're using the vRealize stack from VMware, whether you're just custom Python, right? Um, whether you're using VMware, right? Whether your OS is, is Microsoft, is Windows, right? You can use the same storage features, the snapshots, the restores, the clustered file systems and whatnot that you're using on-premises. So it does make it easier to move those uh, applications, right, into the public cloud or move them back or, 
wherever they want to go. Because what, what Chad said is true, right? Um, are 100% of all customers going to move to 100% public? No. Are 100% going to stay on-premises? Absolutely not, right? The majority are going to be somewhere in the middle using both. Right? And making it easier for especially even smaller scale companies that don't have the time to rewrite all their applications to be able to move those things in there is really important. And so what we're trying to do from the data layer is allow you to use the tools that you use today right? and not have to even change them just because the application is running somewhere else. Right? And I think that's an important part of this, right? And that's where comes our, our features around our storage array as well. Right? Uh, what you use on-premises, whether it's uh, uh, iSCSI, whether it's VVols and VMware environments, right? whether it's snapshots, whether it's array-based replication, asynchronous or, or synchronous or active-active, rather, you can take those and get those same benefits, the availability, the restorability, right? and the workflows and tools you use to do that in the public cloud. Right? And one of the things we also offer on the on-premises side of it, I'm making sure not to say on-premise. If, <laughs> if I get caught there, let me know. Um, on the on-premises side, now I'm going to psych myself out, um, with, with S3 offerings internally, right? Our FlashBlade product offers you to build those kind of web-scale applications on-premises using the S3 on FlashBlade, but then also, of course, you could do the same thing uh, inside of AWS using their S3 offering, right? And so there's a lot of flexibility. Because what we don't want to do as a company is we don't want to lock your data into a specific hypervisor, right? Uh, a specific physical location, even a physical array, or even us. Right? We, we, we understand that data is going to move here, there, or whatnot. So we want to provide the tools to leverage us, pure, right, where it needs to be, but also be able to move data somewhere else if need be. Right? That flexibility, I think, is far, far more important in the long run for us to build um, than to try to lock you into our, our, our solutions and technology. Right? That flexibility is particularly important. And then also, like Chad referred to earlier, right, is the consumption model, how it gets paid for. Right? Uh, we're, Technologies, tools, I mean, even just consumer products, right? They're moving towards a more subscription-based mechanism, right? What you're actually using is what you're paying for, right? And that's what we're offering with our storage offerings, too, is not to pre-buy this big storage array where you have to pay for all the capacity, whether you need it now or not, is pay as you go and as you actually use it, right? But leveraging our internal tools, our data reduction, compression, dedupe, right, to shrink that footprint, right? Providing some efficiencies there. Take it away, Chad. All right. Next core tenant is run anywhere. Run anywhere. Um, and that's really focused on bridging this gap. We've, we've put some new services out there called cloud data services, uh, which incorporates really three main technologies. And you'll see the first one, which is cloud block store, uh, which is leveraging our purity software in AWS. You'll also see uh, cloud snap, which is taking our snapshot technology and enabling you to leverage S3 in the cloud uh, within AWS to be able to actually store data, protect your data sets, uh, whether it be for compliance, for backup, or DR. And then you also see Store Reduce, which is a recent acquisition of ours, uh, which was a backup software for deduplication on S3 uh, for cloud-native applications. But we'll also be leveraging that from an on-premises uh, perspective as well. On top of all of this, if you're not familiar with Pure, is Pure One. That was that hybrid application that I talked about earlier. This is taking telemetry data from our arrays. It happens about every 30 seconds these arrays send back telemetry data to us. We then you know, created an app that allows you to visualize uh, in the cloud what your environment looks like and see all of your arrays, performance resort, uh, results, historical, uh, as well as real-time information about your arrays. And then on the bottom is the purity operating you know, environment or purity uh, storage software that kind of bridges the two, as we've talked about between these. What CloudBlock Store uh, for AWS is, it's an industrial strength solution um, that, for block storage uh, in AWS. 
It gives you high levels of reliability, high efficiencies, as well as enabling this whole hybrid cloud world that we talked about for data mobility. We also use the same APIs for both of these environments. And so you can take all of the workflows that you'd previously built into your, uh, your guys' environment and be able to leverage it across both of these worlds. What Cloud Block Store for AWS is, digging in a little bit deeper, we optimize the purity operating environment that runs today on top of our own hardware and optimized it for AWS. This allowed us to not only be able to spin up these things quickly, but we optimized it for all sorts of new rich software feature sets that enable um, you know, cloud to become even more enhanced. And what's cool about this is you can spin these things up relatively quickly via cloud formation templates. Uh, and, and Cody can dig into a little, a little bit uh, deeper into that. Um, but also we add in a bunch of efficiency technology on top of the actual block storage device, including dedupe at fine-grained granularity, compression, and also encryption of all data at rest, as well as thin provisioning. And so you get all of these inherent efficiencies to reduce the overall storage footprint that's out there today. We also make it highly reliable, so you can go and do an active cluster, which we have an active-active model across availability zones, uh, even across regions, which of course are across availability zones as well. Um, you can enable hybrid architectures where you can leverage our bi-directional replication from on-prem to the public cloud within AWS and be able to restore environments to cloud block store natively, uh, if you'd like to, with our CloudSnap technology. It's also very flexible. So when we talked about the consumption models that we've built on-premises, we are now leveraging very similar types of consumption models uh, in AWS as well. You want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of spinning up uh, an instance? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So quick uh, show of hands. Who is, in general, with AWS tools, who has used CloudFormation templates for applications today? Right, fair amount, right? Half the room, maybe more, right? And, and, and that's what we've seen too, right? It's a very useful tool for deploying applications or larger distributed applications as well. And so that's what we went with for, for Cloud Block Store, right? Is that it's a CloudFormation template that you can then use to deploy um, directly inside of AWS tools or using your orchestrator, right? There's a lot of APIs around cloud formations, whether you're a PowerShell user, right? whether you're Python, whether you want to directly use the API. Um, some of the, uh, in our booth, if you want to check it out, um, we have some demos around different ways of deploying it. One of the focuses, are, I mean, I'm our VMware person, right? So uh, a lot of the demos that I built are around using the vRealize suite, vRealize automation, right? vRealize orchestrator to build these out, right? vRealize orchestrator has a AWS plugin. Um, that has pretty much the full functionality that you need to deploy this type of stuff. So what we wanted to do is make it very simple to quickly deploy, right? Not even just for production use cases. Hey, maybe I just want to test some scripts, right? Maybe I want to use the REST API that, that the storage appliance offers, right? Test it, figure it out, provision my storage. How do I do replication, DR, right? And then spin it back down, right? And so it can sit there and run for a while, right? Using active-active replication, providing resiliency or something you can spin up real quick. Right? Do what you need to do and then spin it back down. Because right? one, one of the you know, important things around using public cloud is, is, is it offers elasticity. Right? I need the resources. I don't need it now. I'm not paying for what I'm not using. And so it's, it's built in the same way where you can quickly and easily deploy it. Right? And it's licensed through our, our, Pure One, our Pure One interface. So you can just spin up a key, deploy it. Right? And it's all through the APIs. Right? So it's a simple, simple mechanism to actually do that. Right? And another kind of um, point, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, is who here is um, interested in using VMware Cloud on AWS, um, or, or who is using it today? Using it today, a few. Who is, who is interested? I guess I should ask it in two different orders. Right. Yeah, and that's something that we see um, 
a lot of value in. Uh, I'm working with uh, VMware very closely on building out uh, the storage roadmap around VMware Cloud on AWS, right? If you, you can actually go to VMware's site and it shows you their public roadmap, right, for, uh, for VMC, which I think is really cool. And, and one of the things that's listed there is, of course, block storage support, right? A huge amount of their on-premises customers, right, use block storage, whether that's Fiber Channel, whether it's iSCSI, right? NVMe over Fabrics is starting to move that way, too. Uh, and so VMware says, yeah, this, there's a really interesting use case around that, right? DR as a service is a big one. Hey, I don't want to pay for an entire another data center for my DR, but I want to be able to spin it up real quickly. But what's important is already having the data there. Right? So I can spin up VMC. The data is already ready. Mounts the VMFS or, or VVols, right, that type of stuff, and spins up your VM. So this is something that we're working very closely along with, with VMware. And this is why Cloud Block Store, right, we find, is really strategically important moving forward, to provide you with that option if that's something that you want to do. Uh, and so our close partnership with VMware continues around AWS. Right? It's certainly not going to slow. And the nice thing about that, too, right? I mean, many of you get that, right? That use VMware on-premises, as, as you raise your hands, right? Is that we have an investment on products and manage our VMware environment, right? But we want to move the public cloud so we see some value in, in not only the people that understand that technology, but the tools we've paid for to use and understand today, right? And so that's a big focus for us moving forward, right? And so internally inside of AWS right now, the way cloud uh, block store works is iSCSI volumes, right? So whether it's to EC2 instances or even inside of VMs, Right, you can mount that storage via guest iSCSI, but something like NVMe over Fabrics, right, via Rocky V2, right, or um, other possibly TCP. Anyone actually implementing NVMe over Fabrics today in their on-premises environment? Anyone looking at it? Probably the wrong crowd to ask around that, but I was just kind of <laughs> curious, right? So that's something that we're looking at, at imp implementing inside of uh, VM, uh, CloudBlock Store or AWS as well, because it reduces latency, because of the efficiencies natively that comes with NVMe over Fabrics. Awesome. One of the other big benefits of having the uh, you know, data layer of things be common across both platforms is it allows you to be able to move enterprise applications much more easily versus having to re-architect them for the resiliency of how AWS is laid out. Now, if you look at the, our world, we built our software to deal with the inherent reliabilities of hardware on-premises. We've done now the exact same thing on the infrastructure of AWS and enabled the enhancements of cloud storage through a bunch of different cool things. For one, you know, we run multiple EBS volumes behind this cloud block store internally within the system, and this aggregates the overall performance just as a whole behind that one cloud block store. We also, for applications that need to be kind of mirrored across availability zones, can enable active cluster across an availability zone and have your host be able to have access to both sides of it. So if there were ever any sort of issues on one availability zone, you could easily spin up uh, an environment on the secondary side or actually have that secondary side have full access to it in an active-active architecture. We also built in a bunch of efficiencies, as I mentioned before, with uh, dedupe, compression, thin provisioning. So it reduces the overall data set that you store uh, within AWS as well. But it also gives you all of the layered feature sets. So our snapshot technology is pretty awesome. We enable you to be able to take snapshots on any volume. You can override any volume with a snapshot. And so you get some really cool use cases for, let's say, a you know, database environment where you want to snapshot that database. You want to refresh, let's say, a test dev environment off production. You can easily then go overwrite production with today's or the last hour's production data to test dev. Leveraging these highly efficient snapshots that don't take any additional space other than the deltas, which are also deduped and compressed against the global population, 
create some really cool workflows, especially around test dev environments or even development environments where you want to spin up you know, 30, 40 instances of the exact same thing. And I, I think that's a really key point, right? So one of the, who's a, I know I keep polling people, but who's a pure customer today? There's a few out there. Oh, great, great, awesome. Um, one of, the, one of the core parts about our operating environment runs in our storage array on-premises, right, is that it's, it's all metadata-based, right? Uh, so you write data in, we do our dedupe, our compression, we put the blocks wherever, and our volumes, our storage objects, devices, disks, whatever you want to call them, right, are just a bunch of metadata pointers, right? And so when we're, rep, when we're snapshotting that, all we're doing is taking that metadata, small amount of data, and presenting it to another object, right? And so we can create these snapshots instantaneously. And the key part about how it's architected, right, is that it doesn't really matter what's below it, right? We've changed mediums a couple times, right? We started off with SSDs, now we're using flash modules, right? But in the end, it doesn't really make a difference, right? And so, you know, a year, year and a half ago, we, we thought about this and we started looking at public cloud and we're like, well, do we have to create some kind of new tool, new offering that's specific for it? Or like in the end, our operating environment essentially runs on Linux, right? And then it has some storage, and then we have some customization around how we should use that medium, right? We do a lot of cool stuff around how Flash works and stuff. But we didn't have to rewrite the entire operating environment. We're just like, oh, well, now it's a new medium. What we present up through, um, through uh, in the back end of our, our uh, cloud block store implementation. And then we still can apply all the same techniques we used before. Right, the features that we use on-premises, right? so snapshotting, active app replication, async, and so forth. You can get those same benefits in the public cloud. You can do it very fast, right? So it's easy to automate because you don't have to write a big loop just to wait for it to finish, right? It finishes when the API uh, operation is requested, right? Great points. The last part to this is all of our data is encrypted at rest. We use an AES-256 uh, encryption uh, algorithm that uh, all data at rest, whether it's on-premises or actually in AWS, is fully encrypted at rest. So if you look at how we deliver a hybrid cloud across all of these different technologies, I know there's a lot to look at on this slide, uh, but customers love to have various different options for different SLAs. And so if you look at the first big use case, Cody talked about already, it's DR. People don't want to go have a secondary data center or maybe even a third data center to go replicate to. You can leverage cloud block store as a replication target and have it available to be able to, you know, spin up some EC2 instances and be up and running relatively quickly without having to have that secondary site up and running. You can migrate to the cloud, leveraging our asynchronous replication solution, and be able to move data from on-premises to cloud block store uh, in, in uh, AWS. But you could also go and back up to the cloud, leveraging cloud block store, which takes those same highly efficient snapshots we talked about previously and sends these in a portable, in a portable way. Our portable snapshots takes the blob of data and applies, you know, has metadata associated to it as well, so that any flat array on-premises or cloud block store in the public cloud can go look at it and say, oh, I know exactly what it is. It shows up as a listing of where that snapshot is. It's where it came from. And you can restore it to any flash array on-premises or restore it to a cloud block store in AWS. The last part here is giving you HA even within the cloud itself, leveraging Active Cluster, which is our active-active uh, synchronous replication solution between the two uh, availability zones. This gives you even more resiliency, but also brings in some new use cases that today uh, aren't available. Can I go into any deeper on that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to the point I made before, right, is that a disaster, as a, a disaster recovery as a service and so forth is a really interesting 
opportunity around this, right? Where I can I can move my VMs, I can move my entire applications using the array-based replication that I use today, right? Um, one, one of the key tools around that is, of course, VMware Set Recovery Manager. I'm gonna keep going back to VMware use cases, like I said, I'm a VMware person, right? Um, but the variety of the tools around that, and that gives you some nice benefits around managing that um, without having to manage and own your own DR uh, data center if you want to. And VMware Cloud is an important part about that. And, you know, um, I, I, am I pitching VMware Cloud today or am I doing pure? I don't, I don't know. But one, you know, kind of interesting story around VMware Cloud that kind of really opened my eyes a little bit to some of the flexibility that it offers. And of course, this can be built on premises too, right? But there's, there's some nice built in functionality around how this works. I was uh, spinning a, de a demo up for this conference actually a couple weeks ago at VMware's conference in Barcelona. And I tried to connect to my lab, but I had to go through this jump box back in California, and latency was horrible. I couldn't record it. Um, and then I realized, well, this is actually running in, in AWS. I don't need to go back to my jump box on premise. So I went into VMware Cloud, created a firewall rule so I could actually have the public IP of that hotel allow my RDP session into my, into my VMC instance. So if you happen to be in the Meridian in Barcelona, um, you can do a nice denial of the service attack on, on my uh, Windows box. But um, there's some cool flexibility around that, right? I wouldn't recommend maybe doing that. But it kind of exemplifies the flexibility. Um, and, that's, and that's really kind of, it clicked a little bit for me. It's like there's some really cool stuff you can do around this, around the flexibility of not just network access and application availability, but just you know, moving your data in and out. Right? And that's a key part of what we're trying to do here. One other area that we see quite a bit with DR sites is they don't usually have a, a bunch of hosts that are sitting there to be able to spin up new, you know, new features or, or new things within the business. Uh, in this example, um, a lot of folks would use this for analytics. I want to spin up a bunch of you know, compute to actually run an analytics environment uh, in AWS where I may not have that in a traditional DR target. And so you truly get to leverage the data sets versus it just being kind of a secondary array that's really not doing much other than sitting there waiting for a disaster to occur to spin up on. If you look at what we've done from a management and orchestration side of things, Pure One gives us the ability to monitor all of your assets from Pure Storage, whether it's on-premises or actually in, the, in AWS. It allows you that consistent APIs where it's a 100% REST API that we've built out with you know, Python libraries for your developers to be able to, to create their own automations and workflows. Uh, we have a great uh, PowerShell toolkit um, that, that's been developed with a bunch of different commandlets that have been built out. We built in plugins into uh, VMware uh, as well as created some automation within AWS uh, and on-premises that Cody can talk uh, more about or you can check out his uh, blog to get more details on. And then we built in all of these full stack integrations. Uh, Pure Storage Orchestrator, as an example, takes a very container-based solution and allows you to be able to create policies for your developers instead of them accessing the actual infrastructure directly, abstracting that away and making it so that you can move the storage on the back end, whether it be on-premises or in AWS as well. All right, the last section here uh, is the Protect Everywhere. Now, when we looked at backup, backup's an interesting space. No one likes to talk about it. It's the least sexy thing that uh, is in IT. Um, but it is one of the bigger pains that we see out there. Most people um, today don't have a backup problem, per se. They mostly have a restore problem. And the reason being is, is that it wasn't optimized to restore data relatively quickly. It was optimized to get data as fast as possible into that single device. The old world that you mostly see today is disk to disk to tape. You kind of go well, you know, with your traditional deduplication, disk target, maybe you replicate to another disk target, and then maybe you send it off into tape. 
uh, or your deduplication may be on the primary and then going to disk and then to tape. But at the end of the day, there's some pretty big downsides to doing that. For one, you can't restore very fast. Two, tape really gets you no, no value other than the insurance of having it out there. There's no way to spin anything up to you know, utilize that data set. What we looked at is what if we could change the game and go flash to flash to cloud and leverage the economics of AWS to be able to offset the cost basis of running a backup target to flash. Now, the reason why flash as a backup target is an interesting one is you get faster recoveries, typically about you know, 10x of what you're going to see in a normal environment. You uh, have better efficiencies because we can incorporate much better rich feature sets for deduplication and compression and be able to restore fast back without having to kind of recreate the data in a slow fashion within disk. That transactional nature is very slow. It's much more durable than the very fragile tapes that may be stuck in a vault somewhere that you may or may not even have the hardware for when you actually need to pull it back. And you can actually utilize the data set if your longer term backups are actually sitting in Amazon directly um, so that in AWS you could spin up services to actually be able to run analytics on top of those backups or even do recovery of data for compliance reasons. We believe tomorrow you should be able to leverage a flash to flash to cloud world. And the technologies that we're doing behind it, first and foremost, is our snapshot technology can be leveraged off of a flash array on premises to a flash blade. Uh, and you can keep many, many instances of those backups for any of your volumes that you have out there with our portable snapshot technology. You can also send a cloud block. Uh, or sorry, cloud snap to AWS directly and keep a longer term retention out there as well. But we've also now incorporated Store Reduce, which will be um, it's starting its uh, public beta uh, as of uh, last week, which we're going to then be able to leverage an on premises uh, S3 deduplication instance within Store Reduce, store that data into FlashBlade locally, and then longer term tier off the data for longer term retention into AWS. This allows you to offset the economics, and we believe we can deliver cost parity between these solutions and give you much better results, including faster, recover, faster recovery, more flexible recovery on where you actually pull from, whether it be in the public cloud or whether it be on-premises, and a much simpler, much more efficient way of doing backup just as a whole. The first big one that we talked about a little bit already is um, CloudSnap. What's cool about CloudSnap is you can send it just off to an S3 target within AWS, and you can keep as many instances as you want of that particular instance. This gives you long-term retention. It's simple and easy because it's already pre-built into the purity operating system running on the flash array. It's very, very quick because we're only sending deltas out that are fully compressed before it's sent to the cloud. And when you restore that data, it's metadata aware to make sure that it's not restoring data blocks that are already on that flash array as a whole. So you get highly efficient restorations at the exact same time. And with Cloud Block Store, you can actually recover in the cloud versus having to go all the way back to your on-premises instance. Right, and this, and this goes back to the point I made earlier, right, is that we're, one of the, the goals here is unlocking your applications and your data, right? So Cloud Block Store kind of unlocks, hey, do I want it to be um, on-premises? Do I want it to be in AWS, right? But I don't want to change the top, so you can still use what you want to use. Right, CloudSnap allows you to, hey, I don't even want, maybe want it on this pure storage flash array. I need to put it in S3 and then convert it to an EBS object or something like that. Right, so this opens up that flexibility. You actually move the data completely somewhere else if you want to or pull it back to a different array as needed. Right, so this, this is another key part of that flexibility. 
The next big innovation that, that uh, we've released as part of this is uh, Store Reduce, which is an acquisition that we did uh, a quarter ago, which takes, a, it's a deduplication engine that sits on top of S3. So it consumes S3 as well as deduplicates the data, then dumps it to an S3 target. This can be leveraged both on-premises with FlashBlade as well as in AWS uh, natively on top of S3. It gives you abilities to scale out to almost infinite sizes, uh, hundreds of petabytes, and actually be able to leverage this to restore relatively quickly, whether it be on-premises or in the cloud. And it allows you to leverage this whole hybrid world of being able to have some of your capacity, let's say if 90% or 99% of your restores come in the first 45 days, you can have a flash cache on-premises that only holds 45 days on FlashBlade and then actually tears off to AWS afterwards. Leveraging that economics is what allows you to have that super fast recovery without having to pay for an all-flash backup environment. So there's something that really bothers me about that slide. <laughs> what is um, it? So the whole point of store reduces, right, deduplication, right? Um, the two R's right next to one another <laughs> um, should be deduped, but beyond that. <laughs> anyway, so I, I said uh, I was a last-minute ad, so we basically said, hey, can you just do color commentary throughout the <laughs> session? So um, ignore You're doing me. great. All right, so this is uh, showing you kind of the full hybrid cloud world. Um, I don't want to reiterate all of the same exact stuff again, but um, you know, Cloud Block Store, Cloud Snap, and Store Reduce enables this fully hybrid world that we talked about previously uh, at the intro of things. So you can truly deploy hybrid applications and be able to leverage data, whether it's on-premises or in the public cloud with AWS, and be able to really not have any sort of limitations on where things are deployed, nor have any sort of changes to the way that your workflows work today on-premises versus in the public cloud. All right, so uh, one other session, if you guys are interested, we're doing um, on Wednesday the 28th. It's uh, a deeper dive into the flash-to-flash-to-cloud story uh, with Store Reduce, uh, and uh, we'd love to, to see you guys over there. Um, I think we have time for questions, if there are any yeah. out there. And please do uh, stop by the booth if you want to see deeper demos of these technologies, how they actually work, and, and talk to our engineers and architects around how we built it and implemented it. Certainly stop by the booth. But yes, questions now. Yeah, so um, our, our current uh, beta of it right now is actually using EBS, but we're moving that to S3. So by the time it's going to be released, it's going to be an S3 backend. And for everything good in the, the everything so we have, we have a couple different tiers. So we run an NVRAM device, which backs DRAM. So when writes come in, we actually mirror to two NVRAM devices. Um, those are on IO1, you know, lower latency um, volumes. But for the rest of the stuff, it's all GP2 on the back for the beta. Um, we'll, over time, evolve this so that you'll have storage instances that then become, you know, stored back into an S3 target to give you higher, you know, resilience on the back end. The key point of it, too, right, is that we've, we've, uh, <clears throat> and by the way, the question for the camera, because it wasn't heard, was what are we backing Cloud Block Store with? The key point here is that as AWS introduces new technologies and new offerings internally, we can leverage that directly inside of uh, Cloud Block Store without you having to make any changes to your environment. Right? And so we've designed it to be efficient, so we can do that work, and you can just continue using the same APIs, the same volumes we've always done, and we just make it better in the back end. It's very similar just as, as we upgrade our hardware that we sell on-premises. Right? As, as new technologies, as new types of flash come in, as new whatevers, right? we can just 
plug it into the back end and you, you benefit without really having to do anything other than you know, replace the hardware or upgrade it. Storage gateway for which storage gateway? I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. Do you know? Uh, I mean, fundamentally, I mean, these things achieve similar ends, right? Uh, the main difference is that w what we can offer inside of our purity operating environment, right, around a lot of the feature sets and the replication and the active-active replication, the data reduction and that type of stuff. So it's, it's very similar than... In, and, and I'm not an expert on the storage gateway, so obviously I'm just talking from a fairly high level here. But in the end, it's very much like any storage platform, right? They, what do they do? They store your zeros and ones, right? Um, what they do internally is where the real value comes from. And that's what we're trying to do is take the, the value that we offer our customers currently. And there's plenty of them in here that you could certainly talk to and ask. Um, but it's really us trying to bring that value and that simplicity of provisioning into AWS, right? And it's all storage stack. You know, if you look at that whole data tier, it functionally giving you the same workflows that you have on-premises just makes it easier for people to take enterprise apps that exist today on pure storage and move them uh, in, into uh, the public cloud. But we're also seeing people leverage this technology, at least from the beta side of things, on just traditional cloud-native applications that they've built just to add in some new features that they don't currently have today uh, within AWS. Good question. Yeah. So So if you want to spin up an EC2 instance, so that, that's a good question. So right now, um, we're investigating how we can do the boot and so forth, but a lot of it is focused on the data volumes, right? So you spin up an EC2 instance, right, that has, it's running Windows or running Linux or the Oracle database of SQL, and then we present the database itself volume directly into, the, into EC2 via iSCSI. Um, but, uh, but that is something we're looking for more options around. Can we, can we boot off? The, is, does it make sense to do that, right? Is there value around it? Um, and that's, that's why I think VMware Cloud is going to be a really interesting use case on there because we just boot off VMFS or boot off VVols inside of it just like you do on-premises. But that, that's how it works today. Good question. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, personally, it's really exciting for me because I, I I'll say it again, I'm the VMware person, right? But it's been, I've been working on AWS stuff for not long, uh, two months, right, something like that. And it's been interesting to learn these different things and different options and how quickly it's evolving. So it's been a lot of fun for me personally. And so these things are going to only expand. Yes? Yep. Well, you take that one. Uh, how do we address low latency requirements? So there's an aggregation of performance just with all the EBS volumes behind it in the current beta. So you actually see a performance gain at the larger scale systems. And so we, we're planning to size these into three different kind of sets so, or more. Uh, and so as you increase the sizes of things, you either have a performance optimized system or you have a capacity optimized system. And that's just based upon the e, uh, ES2 instances uh, inside that we build within the cloud block store. Uh, low latency, though, is uh, you know, from an application stack. The way we buffer our IOs is very different. You're not actually writing directly to, let's say, an EBS volume itself. We actually write data and then mirror it to two NVRAM devices, which are those IO1 uh, low latency volumes. Uh, and then we acknowledge back to the host that we've received the data. Then we asynchronously go through data reduction and all the other things before we stripe the data down to the EBS volume. And so we can achieve very, very low latency because one, we aggregate the EBS volumes for reads to be faster, and two, for writes, they're buffered through the IO1 uh, volumes that are lower latency access. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it, it's separate right now. So right, you have two options with vSAN inside of VMware Cloud today. There's the internal storage, right? And then they also support EBS-backed vSAN, which is something they just recently announced. We're not going to be, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard VMware talking about doing that. I think what VMware, no, I know what VMware is moving forward to is, is external storage that's VMFS or vVol-based, not vSAN. So they want to run it alongside one another um, is kind of the plan. Pro probably moving, if said this is all non-GA stuff, but is on their public roadmap, right, is probably have the compute cluster, right, where you, um, or the management, rather, cluster running on vSAN, right, because that just gets deployed when the VMC gets deployed. But then as you mo do, move your VMs, and that's running off VMFS on Cloud Block Store or whatnot, because it goes back to the importance of something like DR as a service, where I need that data to be there ready. And with vSAN, that, that compute has to be there first which you don't want to be paying for to sit around. And so that's where the, the compute cluster comes in, brings in the cloud block store storage, right? So it will most likely be a hybrid model. I don't think they'll plan on booting their management VMs and so forth off, off external storage because there's some, you know, um, chicken the egg kind of situations going on there. Um, but that's, that's the plan moving forward. Correct. We'll have our own data stores for VMs that you'll have then permissions to be able to provision off of and so forth inside of it. Exactly, few or none, right? Um, and and that's, that's exactly what we're working on with them because VMware sees customers with that exact same question, and, and so do we, and that's going to be a, a major use case for us. It's good to hear that we're not making it up. Yep. Uh, can it mitigate the costs, meaning that you don't have an egress charge back? And so what you would do is you would optimize the, the scenario where your on-premises would have the majority of your re restorations uh, come, come about. So reduce over time. Um, you can use the cloud as just a main target, uh, but you effectively are still pulling back the full data set. Uh, there is some optimizations uh, that we can build into it with compression. Uh, and and no, understanding what's actually on-prem versus not on-prem. Um, but really, I think the model here is that you would cache the amount of data locally uh, for what you typically restore from. And then you know, if you had to go back into longer term, you would effectively pay the egress charges for that. Yeah, and, and we're looking at implementing that technology in a variety of ways. But at least like uh, today with the, the cloud block store and the on-premises flash rate, we can reduce egress charges because we do preserve our dedupe and compression back. Like, even, even if there's zero on-premises, right, we can still internally of that workload produce, pre, uh, preserve the dedupe and compression of it because obviously the target understands how to expand it, right? And so that can, that can help with that costs as well. So as I said, these, these are all technologies and store reduces. That's one of the reasons that we bought that technology is we see some advantages around some of the dedupe they can further offer on top of that, right? Other questions? Yes, you would access it via store reduce directly. Great questions. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, actually, that's exactly what, like, half the demos that we have at our booth are, is removing SQL databases, Oracle workloads, right? Uh, and I, I think the, you know, the, 
new announcements around VMware Cloud, RDS, and, and just general RDS too. There's some should be interesting um, solutions that we can build around moving databases with that too. But yeah, our, our demos are focused around that. So if you want more detail, we have some of our Oracle and Microsoft people at the booth that can go into more detail on what they've done and show you how it works. No, we're, you can replicate with the storage level as well. So you can do bi-directional replication to a cloud block store in the cloud. You could also replicate a snapshot via cloud snap to an S3 target and then restore it back to cloud block store uh, in the cloud as well. So you can have a, a bunch of different ways of doing it. The options are great. All right, anything else? Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate your time. They're great questions. Thank, Thank you. you so much. <clears throat>